0: The Around the NFL podcast is now 75% Patriots fans. Welcome back to another edition of
2: the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. I can tell you what, you guys could root for your pats in your beautiful little January and February uh, as long as the audience knows who that 25% is the old Zeuser. Well,
1: I don't agree with the sentiment to begin with.
3: I do. You guys were all you guys enjoy great football. You enjoyed them winning the Super Bowl last year. And uh Not pretty. You know, in you're already turning your back potentially on the team of ATL. So if, if they happen to lose this weekend, then you can go back to the Pats, Mark Sessler.
4: I just like carrying that water, Dan.
2: You do. You carry
3: up it up and, and down, 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 that down that hill.
2: Uh this is the Around the NFL podcast, sponsored by Scott Trade, a great company for all your needs in the financial world.
3: Nailed it seems like you've been doing some research on that.
2: I'm digging in a little bit on the old Scott trade. Good dude. Uh, good product. Today's show is our blowout championship Sunday preview. Digging in big time to the New England Patriots. Uh, throne of sleaze at Denver Broncos. And, of course, the Arizona Cardinals against the uh Carolina Panthers. Almost forgot who was playing in the game. I don't know how that could have happened. Breaking, uh, breaking news. Uh, so we'll we'll talk about those games in depth, and we will also because uh, we haven't <clears throat> done it since uh, the beginning of the season. We'll, we'll throw out some sandwich, uh pops. Wow. Uh, you know, go get uh, my lunch,
3: foul <laughs> demon. Ooh, I like that
4: one. Yeah, it's the first time we've E-man ever callback.
3: we've ever added some sandwich props before we've even passed out the previous sandwiches, puts Dan at risk here because he was, he was the winner, really, among the regular season. We were all kind of even, and uh, Dan is... I a
2: told winner. you, my kryptonite is once we get to draft season. Mm-hmm. Don't know a damn thing. Uh, so, But I have a whole new strategy for that coming up this spring to protect myself from another bloodbath. But I'm still confident about the sandwiches right now. Uh, so we got that coming up.
1: Not sure I want a foul demon touching a sandwich I would be about to eat. Why? You're not about to eat any sandwich. Well, I mean, <laughs> let's just say whatever type of food I'd yeah. put in my mouth, a foul demon, like, mixing it up with his hands before I eat it sounds a little bit suspicious. There yes. was
2: a, there was a funny part going back to uh, the dinner with the Sesslers, Ed and Babs, uh, where since Mark was, you know, the son that was there and Ed and Babs were paying, but there was this moment where it was like Mark had the menu and it, he was going to maybe take the lead to order the appetizers. But then everyone, including Mark knew like this was the oddest scenario ever that Mark would order for everyone because he hates food.
1: I don't hate right. food, but appetizers were like it was like 19 out of 20 were like
3: roast pig tongue, <laughs> right. <laughs> So I was like, "You guys eat that? I don't think that, that." wasn't even one of twenty. Yes, know. Cheesecake Factory, known for its daring, inventive. Well, matter. so I, many, you know. so many problems with this proposition. <laughs> think one, Mark, you would have to win. You would have to win one, and then two. Yes, you would have to eat food.
1: Well, I'm tied. I think I'm like 41 and 41, so I've won some.
3: Yeah, you're. You know, even, let's not even get Sessler, a, Let's sure.
1: not get haughty quite yet.
3: Uh,
2: this by the, this show is also
4: first use of haughty since Casey at the Bat
2: because. Uh, Uh, The show is sponsored by Scott Trade. Uh, We are on YouTube, this program, the Thursday show, as well as the Sunday wrap-up show, both on YouTube, so you check that out. I believe it's on NFL Now as well, right,
3: Greg? Who really knows?
2: Yeah, but it's definitely (laughs) on YouTube. Uh, So make sure you track it down, Uh, and we'll also, before we get into the games, uh, talk a little news, and to do that, we will bring in our good friend and colleague, um, wearing uh, a, a nice blue dress today, all dressed up. Do you go to Disneyland or something today? No, that's Sydney,
1: actually, that's tomorrow. But I am working. I'm working a basketball game
3: tonight. Oh. And I, there's a, yeah. What do you do when a you hustle work a basketball? Game? Are you like Doing the stat guy the for referee yeah. for Brandon? Uh, power <laughs> Yeah, forward? Brandon at and Cal State Fullerton. He, he's the announcer for the mm-hmm. Cal State Fullerton girls volleyball team. I don't know.
2: Is that true?
1: <laughs> that's the <laughs> it's the girls basketball.
3: I didn't know that.
1: <laughs> and the and the men's yeah. Wow. He's he's trying to break into the talent. All right. Kind of a big deal. Brandon's it's, been doing this for multiple, multiple sports for a long time. Yeah, he does. Well, That's next
2: time. Well, next time Brandon's behind the glass, we're going to dig in on that. I I remembered covering some girls volleyball in high school <laughs> and they used to they would send you out. I used to work. Uh, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast. I probably have. But Ian Rappaport and I worked together part time at this newspaper in New York when we broke, were that were out of college. And they would send you to events occasionally, and you'd have no idea how to cover the sport. Like, <clears throat> I grew up in a town that had no lacrosse, and I'd get sent to boys' lacrosse matches and have no idea what was going on. The worst ever. Volleyball is another one. It's like, oh, nice dig. What? Well, uh, you know, clearly you put one of you copy. made a career out of it. Well, you write about it, and you, <laughs> obviously you hope no one that actually knows the sport is reading about it. Everything's got to be a human interest angle. or You're banged. Wrestling was another one. Oh, my God. What? That was a nightmare. And the worst, by far, is when they sent me up to upstate New York. I think it was Binghamton. It was like a four-hour drive to cover uh, the diving championships where the Suffren Mounties had this great diver. And it was like, oh, what a great dive by Johnny Murray. I was like, I don't know how to – how do I write about this? Yeah, the in r-
4: sheet on the same newspaper? <coughs> we yeah, were, were, yeah. It's like yeah. the Boston Globe in the late 70s.
2: Yeah, it was. It was really – we actually had a, a fun – maybe next time he's on the show we'll talk about it, a fun weekend in Syracuse covering the sectional boys' baseball playoffs. The first sure, television
1: thing I ever covered was a high school closed circuit cable station. Had me and someone else named uh, Chris Sprague, a listener of this podcast, me, cover a five-hour gymnastics event.
2: <laughs> I did that one. I thing. mean,
1: that's stretching. W- within 40 minutes, we both realized we were in a lot of trouble.
2: <laughs> <clears throat> track and fields, another one. Did you ever cover an indoor track and field, uh, like massive all-day event, and you don't know anything about anything?
1: Or even not- a baseball game back then where there's no scoreboard and you're trying to announce, you have no idea what's happening. Well, it's absolute- a scorecard there, that was easy. Well,
2: that was Tractor not pull? my skill, so. Uh, all right, let's get back on track
0: and let's do some news. I've heard you described as extremely intelligent, but sometimes antisocial and borderline crazy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I sit on fire with the news drops lately. Yes, Chip Kelly was announced as the head coach of the san francisco 49ers in a press conference on wednesday um you know it was a press conference that was interesting uh for a number of level on a number of levels uh kelly of course trying to be human being one of the things that was interesting wearing a suit looking very uncomfortable answering questions from a bay area media group that um seemed openly suspicious of him i'll put it that way and kelly trying to you know, pass himself off as someone that not only is he a football guy, which he said multiple times during the press conference, uh, but he was uh, blown away by the uh, quote-unquote synergy within the 49ers front office, which is not something we've heard a lot of. Um, so Chip Kelly announces the 19th head coach of of the 49ers. Guys, I would think the, the thing that jumps out, of course, to all of us is, will Kelly, Kelly be able to – Get along with that front office, and then will he be able to save Colin Kaepernick and or Wes Blaine Gabbert? He didn't answer any questions about the quarterback citing CBA rules.
3: Yeah, he didn't really answer much of anything. Whereas in Philadelphia, the Doug Peterson opening press conference was vaguely antagonistic. This was openly antagonistic from the media for an introductory (laughs) press conference, which is usually just like rah-rah, like we're going to get excited Let's welcome in the new coach. And it's just not going to be that type of situation in San Francisco. And I don't think Kelly's going to make it any better just with the way he is. I don't think that's his fault. He's not going to pretend to be someone else. But the one thing I found interesting was he was not saying he made mistakes in Philadelphia. He was saying – Basically, how things went in Philadelphia, there were reasons for that, and he doesn't necessarily regret them at all, and that's the way he's going to do things. So all this stuff about has Chip Kelly learned, I, I don't. I think that's a little overrated. I think it's basically can Chip Kelly's way of doing things work? Maybe it can. I'm not closed-minded to that, but I don't think he's going to change.
2: Here's the Chip Kelly in a nutshell quote from the press conference. I'm not governed by the fear of what other people say you have to believe You have to have belief and conviction in what you're doing.
1: Well, I've read an essay from him that dates back years, and he had a similar quote. I mean, these coaches carry these things with them a long way, and I don't think you're going to get the flipped around new version of Chip Kelly within three weeks of being fired from his last job. That probably will come if if he ever verbalizes anything next season, down the road, when things have changed. But the idea that we're going to get this new and improved Chip Kelly, he tried to make a joke or two, totally fell flat. He's not that guy. One
2: joke. Uh, Let's hear it right now, actually.
4: I've been known to run a really slow offense, (laughs) and I wanted to just kind of set the tone for how things are going to be here in San Francisco.
2: He was referring to uh, the idea of why his press conference took so long to happen. He got announced, or not announced, but they chose him as coach last Thursday. And then he gave... That was after the joke. Not a very funny joke. (laughs) And then he gave a, a more detailed explanation why... He, uh, it took so long for the presser, which is a weird question in general People people hung up on it, and he had an even weirder answer.
4: No, actually, uh, I was offered the job last Thursday afternoon. I had no clothes. Uh, just had no clothes. A, a pair of sweats. Uh, Trent had visited me with Jed, and uh, when I was in New Hampshire, they asked me to come back out, and you know, I asked him kind of what's the deal, and he said just jump on a plane, so
2: I did. Okay. And then he said his, his dad turned 87 last Saturday, and he wanted to be home for that. He should have just led with well, that. Well, that's more that feasible. Would have been fine. Telling us, right,
3: because I I believe there are clothing stores in the Bay Area. It was a bizarre thing to say. I'm just saying, I think he's he's buy some clothes.
2: I think he really does troll the media a little bit, like because he purposely made the bad joke, I think, and then talked about the no clothes thing, which is a weird thing to say. And then he said, oh, and also my dad's eighty seven and I wanted to be at his birthday on Saturday. Like, he let all that other stuff out first just to kind of mess with the, the media. It's going to be a beautiful situation with Tim Kamakwami and everyone else up there.
4: Do you know who else isn't governed by anybody else's stamp of approval? Both of the coaches in last year's Super Bowl, Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll. Oh, here we go. I'm just saying, but both of those guys, Pete Carroll didn't have his football epiphany until he was in his 50s. Bill Belichick had to learn from failure. And I think Greg's point is Chip Kelly isn't saying that he learned from failure and he's supposed to be this original thinker who, who isn't dogmatic and isn't just stuck in his ways. He's supposed to approach these things from new angles and it doesn't sound like he's doing that.
1: Well, it doesn't sound like he's willing to share that with reporters. Now we have no idea who he is behind the scenes, but this is not a guy that ever wants to tell reporters really anything. So I don't expect to hear it in a press conference. And necessarily. There,
3: there's some talk in San Francisco before this, marriage even begins that he's that Jed York wanted the big name and Trent Balky wanted a guy that was going to get along with him and that could execute Trent Baalke's vision. And basically Jed York got his way. You know, that, that well, that's which, a great start. Right, exactly. Which is which is just something to watch out for.
2: Uh, yes, this will be fun <laughs> to track as long as it lasts. Moving on, let's talk a little bit about the Chargers. Of course, the Rams, <clears throat> it became official last week. They're moving to Los Angeles. Uh, next year, and the Chargers have the option until next January to decide whether they want to uh, join the uh, Rams in L.A. in that building or that new facility that will be built uh, in West L.A. Now, the Chargers have filed, a tr- according to the L.A. Times, have applied to trademark Los Angeles Chargers and L.A. Chargers. Uh, that was just two days after the uh, the vote was made to put, move the Rams to L.A. So this is not looking good. And um, in other news, uh, Philip Rivers uh, said he was nauseated by the thought of a move uh, mm-hmm. to San Diego. Uh, so
3: to Los Angeles.
2: Oh, actually, he said the it was but the Raiders the Raiders moving to Raiders San, San Diego. Diego. I yeah, got you. Right. So the idea of not only you know who knows what happens with the Chargers, but the idea of the Raiders moving and taking their spot makes him nauseous. Uh, which I could totally understand. I I feel bad for all – you know, you think about – and even like Kurt Warner and Marshall Falk and Phillip Rivers, if you take football out of these cities, for for, for them from an individual standpoint, they kind of lose that connection at all to their careers. They kind of just become these guys that wander through the league and then have no home after that. You know, it's so many sad things about the movings, uh, but this is one of them for me.
4: Have you found one person other than Dean Spanos, the Chargers owner, who wants the Chargers in L.A.? I know the Los Angeles mayor came out yesterday and basically said, stay in San Diego. We need a rival. We don't
3: want you here. Right, and I don't know if the NFL at this point – They don't! They, I don't think they necessarily want it. I think the Chargers are just the victim of a situation that has no clear answer for them, that they are just the ultimate losers in all of this and that I don't know what the good situation is because they don't fit here, and they, but they don't fit in San Diego – right now either while they're trying to move, if they have to kind of go back there with their tail between their legs, but they still don't have a new stadium situation figured out. It's like they're, they're just kind of floating or out there. It's a bummer. Uh,
2: moving on to the Buffalo bills who are, uh, the second team, uh, to be on the right side of some gender progress in the NFL. They have named Catherine Smith, uh, their quality control special teams coach. That announcement was made late Wednesday, uh, Smith becomes the second female coach in the NFL. Uh, The Cardinals hired Jen Welter to serve as their training camp assistant coach uh, this past summer, but that was only a training camp gig. Uh, Catherine Smith is the first full-time female coach, uh, so that's a pretty big deal. Uh, She had worked as an administrative assistant under Rex Ryan with the Bills this year, had worked with the Jets for a, a number of years before that. So Smith getting a shot to actually climb the ladder. Hopefully she does. And uh, each step of the way will be groundbreaking if it happens.
1: Why not? I mean, I, it feels like within a couple of years, Bruce Arians was the first coach to come out and say, this can happen. And then he made it happen himself. And it, I think at all accounts, the players responded to Jen Welter very well. She was a good coach. She was. It wasn't some sort of token hire. She was qualified and she grew in the role. You got to expand this out. I could see more and more teams doing it. At what point they start? Well, that depends on what teams need. But I mean, there's a lot of female coaches down the road that be qualified to do this.
4: I'm not sure if it opens up the floodgates for the next year or two. But what it does is young women, college age or high school age, it gives them something to look up to and know that it's possible to do it.
3: Well, it creates the path for it. And this is the path. She is a special teams quality control coach. So some sort of quality control coach. And I look at Catherine Smith, in the same way that people probably looked at Bill Belichick and uh, some of the guys he hired, like Mangini and McDaniels, who never really had big-time NFL. They never had any NFL experience. They barely had any college experience. But what they did was start at that level. The the quality control, grinding tapes, doing everything possible, starting at the very bottom, and then after a while, you start showing these people when you're in the building – that you're one of the smartest people there and you move your way up slowly. Because, I mean, there there was a lot and there still is a lot of uh, adversarial thoughts towards guys like McDaniels and stuff that clearly never played, you know. Well, it's still an old boys club. Look at who got recycled and
1: rehired this winter. It's people that utterly failed two months ago and have
3: failed multiple times suddenly get a new job. Maybe it's that's the same group of maybe people. Maybe Rex just felt the pressure after you hired Ro- Rob Ryan. It's like you gotta you gotta let anyone in. You if you can put up head. with Rex Ryan as, as his admin, you know, assistant for a couple of years, you can do this job.
2: I do have to give the NFL a little credit because uh, it would probably be the last major professional sport that I would think would be making progress in this in this field, uh, but instead they seem to be trailblazing. That's a good point. Uh, yeah, so you know. Good job, National Football League.
3: Way to go, Rex. We, You know, we pick on Rex. A no, no, right he here. deserves legit credit here. Good for him.
2: Mark, come on, find a negative. Go ahead. No, no I just said she it. put
1: up with him as his admin for two years. She obviously admin. is resilient. <laughs> She's skilled. She puts up with a lot of nonsense. So uh,
2: Finally, in Carolina, <clears throat> uh, Listen, the Panthers are a former team of around the NFL. We talk about, oh, how can you turn your, your back on the team of ATN and pick against the Cardinals this weekend? Well, the Panthers are a special team in our history as well, right? This is a matchup of two teams of around the NFL. And, you know, as Wes will, you know, in a fiery manner contest, he never bought into the Chargers uh, no, uh, last year. Did. You guys uh, didn't even buy into the – Yeah, team. we did. <laughs> Listen, they they got the designation. Not every year do you really uh, attach to a team, but the Panthers and cards – uh, the Panthers of 2013, and the Cards of 2015. Yummy! Uh, and I'm all in on the Panthers this weekend. I'm so. I guess I'm turning my back. Yeah, I was I, gonna say I, I have some loyalty. I don't think to, we're all
3: in on the Cardinals at all. This it's is your of, heel turn. I mean, we're we're spoiling it. Who cares about that? But with a couple of people aren't even picking a team when it's basically even odds. It's not like they're big underdogs. You know, there is no attachment.
2: Let me get to it's my point. All a phony I was, thing. You know, what? stop it. A <laughs> phony thing. Uh, the Panthers have a play, two players Ben Jacobs a linebacker and tight end Greg Olson who everyone knows uh, who are have gotten into a new thing this I love this team even more it's called creed bombing and I'm gonna start doing it guys it's where you sneak up on uh, your teammate or your colleague and then you just belt out an inane Creed lyric from yesteryear uh, you know here's an example of what uh, ben Jacobs had to say, hold me now. I'm six feet from the hunting. again. Like just getting somebody's You're going to start go doing it. this now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'll do one to Greg right now. Let me move in a little closer. <laughs> Can you take me higher?
3: It's terrifying. It's horrible, right? <laughs> I hate the description in the article where he says you have to look directly into his eyes. Direct- that, well, that's That Scott would staff. scare Greg. The, the, I, it just did. Lead, lead singer of
2: Creed, it. Scott Sapp. It's the deep, you know, faux religious, like I'm looking into the eyes of you, but really uh, Jesus H. Christ and singing to your soul directly. Kind of like this. Wow. With arms wide
3: open.
4: Oh <laughs> this it, just makes me feel old. Yeah. This, what do you mean? Creed was – this is 15 years yeah, ago. Yeah, but these guys are throughout. saying – Greg Olson's like, this is the stuff we grew up listening well, to. True. I was already a formed adult when <laughs> Creed was yeah. –
2: you were getting chased around by pit bulls in the Cincinnati <laughs> Project. This, this is point.
3: basically the Panthers' white guys' response to dabbing. They're like, we need, right. we need something. Let's now, go with Creed. Well, they've had their ripped away like, from them.
2: Why does it have to be viewed that way? Can it, couldn't you imagine Cam Newton doing this at the 50-yard line at Super Bowl 50?
4: <gasps> Cam Newton doesn't strike me as a Creed
2: fan. My sacrifice! Cam Newton <laughs> just screaming my sacrifice to Terry Bradshaw? A stunned to Terry Bradshaw? For
1: Wes and I, who sit roughly four or five feet from Dan... Oh, it's gonna this suck It's This is a really poor development.
2: <laughs> Blame Greg Olson. Ben and Jacobs. Ben oh, Jacobs. Does ben Jacobs play? Does he have a role on that team?
4: He's like backup special teamer, <laughs> but wacky locker room guy. <laughs>
2: You know, you, Mark, if you were in a locker room, you wouldn't want anything like that. Ain't that kind of fun, wacky oh, stuff.
1: Actually, quite the opposite. I think it'd be a totally different world. I love practical jokes.
2: But you sometimes, like in the office, you I would love get practical angry when jokes. people are talking and joking around around you. Well, if I I'm in
1: an NFL locker room, I don't have to like be writing eight posts. I mean, I'd be in there just <laughs> playing
3: games and joking around. It's a different world. You'd be like the Ryan Mallet of the locker room, just playing. Uh, Floating from your, team to team. Making your own ball games. Whatever, four square. I just, I, I think practical played. joking
1: would be on a massive, huge team level. Would yeah. be awesome.
2: Okay, that's what's happening in the news. Um, Dan's not buying it. <laughs> no, <laughs> completely. You would stew. You would stew, at the, and you'd be sitting on your stool, looking at like a FedEx uh, letter because you got fined for spearing someone, <laughs> and you'd just be so angry. <laughs> And then everyone else would be around you, like dancing to like the weekend and stuff. And you. I want to you know, know how like a guy who's like Lamar. barely
1: five foot eight is, has as an active role and is sparing anyone on an NFL team. That itself would be you know a fantastic story.
2: All right. By the way, Mark, we had a, a discussion briefly on Tuesday's show about where Doug Peterson uh, fell in the best-looking coaches, and we. I got to be honest. I kind of. Uh, Moved on from the convo because I thought it was making Lindsay a little uncomfortable. Mm. So, but I also want to double back on, especially I got a tweet from a user at Patty1710 Fudson. If Doug Peterson is possibly in your top five hottest head coaches, I am intrigued to know who the top three are. Uh, this is more your uh, department, so why don't you give us, Mark, your top five hottest coaches now that all the seven spots have been filled and we have 32 coaches to choose from. Top five hottest, five to one.
1: Well, I mean, let's like, let's start right here. We lost the shakeup. All the firings yeah. took some talent out of the race because Ooh. you lose Dan Campbell, who was probably Not number attractive. one for me. Okay. Very hot. Uh, Lovey Smith. Attractive man. He's gone. Dan. Mike Pettin from sort of an
3: action hero type yeah,
4: of way. You've always thought Mike Pettin's attractive. He looks like a big, dumb animal. Oh, Wes. Well, that Mark is has, also that
3: not. Nice. Mark has strange, has strange taste here. He likes big, muscle-bound men. Bald men. Bald men. <laughs> Are you he, a big Ving a Rams
2: fan? Have you ever seen <laughs> Not really. I mean. What's your favorite scene in Pulp He's Fiction?
3: basically describing Wes. <laughs> That's the type of man he, he likes.
2: <laughs> That's true. <laughs>
1: That's an assumption. Anyway.
3: <laughs> so you're looking for my top five yeah, hottest your top coaches. Five. Okay. All
1: right, number five is Wait, a tie. Wait, do we have a
2: little drum roll? Do we have a little uh, timp- timpani? 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 Did we ever get the correct pronunciation on that?
1: It's timpani.
2: Timpani, thank you.
4: <laughs> That's the jewelry
2: company.
1: Let me, let me dial it up here. Give me just a second. One of
2: my favorite things is to put Sydney on the spot. <laughs> she loves it, it is, too. Yeah, I and
1: love it so much. Big okay, way. here it is. We got All right. it. All right. Consulted a little bit with a very handsome man, handsome Hank on this, by the yeah. way. So tied at number five, we have Oakland's Jack Del
2: Rio and Gus Bradley of the Jack. You have no do you know how Tiffany works, by the way? That's for number one, Sydney.
3: Oh, my
1: Goodness gracious. I'm just doing as Dude. I'm told.
3: By the way, old down the middle Sessler has to Make his top five into top six. He just can't bear to break <laughs> Gus Bradley's. Heart. That is, I even had
1: Steven. to uh, squeak Gus Bradley
3: in there. All right, if so you Gus got, got some great photos. Also
2: bald and Jack Del
1: Rio. Jaguars
3: right. always have to get the positive.
1: Play. Shall we four John here? Yeah, four. Okay, right. four. Mike Tomlin, especially when he has the aviators visor look. Okay, very very strong. If you check that out. Number three is Doug Doesn't Peterson. did earlier
2: draft of this have? My boy, Todd Bowles. We
1: had point. Todd Bowles in there, but I discussed with yeah, Henry, and he, an Henry gave me here. some behind-the-scenes yeah. information that he's gained a lot of weight yeah. and that you have to look at the entire package, and it's not what it was last summer. Mm. So a little work to do on the Todd Bowles front. Okay. Fat-shaming.
2: Got number three? God. No, that's what is, not did, what that Did is. Lindsay teach you nothing about fat-shaming?
1: That's not fat-shaming. He's not at his potential. Okay, number three. Doug Peterson, number three. Ahead of Tomlin. Yeah. Wow. Well, again, it's just my opinion. Wes. Okay. You, you, yours would be different. Number two, Dallas Cowboys coach Jason Garrett. That's better.
3: No, no, I agree. he he kind of looks like Damien Lewis, so the uh, guy from. Home that's right? where I I bet if you're polling the average woman, where your where your poll goes wildly off. Well, that's I'm not guess. discussing the women. I'm
4: a, I'm with you on this one. I think women. Thank pick. you, Wes. That's yeah. a ridiculous pick.
1: All right. Well, can we? The finish? guy's a ginger. He is. Well, he's a good looking have you shooter. ever actually, if you meet him in person, though, yeah. he is someone that looks better, much better in person. But sometimes it's right. also
3: about the you know the confidence. And
2: now number one, and Mark, give, give it, let it. All right, roll. number
3: one. You here Guys
1: struggle the drums. with the
2: timpani sometimes. No.
1: I have actually fought for this franchise to be deep sixed so we could build the old Mouser, but it is Baltimore's <laughs> John Harbaugh. John wow, Harbaugh is a handsome guy. Chicks dig John Harbaugh. Also, if you look at the list of wow. coaches, you have a, you look like you have a, ate a sour lemon, Greg. But yeah. like, if you look at the list of coaches, it, we're at a low point for attractive coaches. Mm. Can I give you one quote that Handsome Hank gave me on Bill Belichick? Yes, of course. Because I, you know, he he was arguing that Bill Belichick is a sexy beast. He told me because of the power he wields. Yeah. Can I retort that with a quote of my own? From Connor Orr on Slack yesterday. Mm-hmm.
4: I am sitting here watching Bill Belichick's pro- press oh. conference, staring at the pockets of fat
3: in his jowls. That's, well,
2: uh, what is, uh, what's going on with the fat shaming? What about that's that, what Connor
3: yeah, said? On I don't Slack. think that Belichick is Stop necessarily it. fat for his age at all. But I think what, what Dan's getting at, or the power thing uh, that you were talking about, rather, I think that's, that's the sort of intangible that Jason Garrett lacks, and I think John Harbaugh might lack.
2: Mark, maybe in the offseason we can dig into the uh, top five front office figures. Uh, maybe somebody will make that list. I don't know.
3: Ladies and gentlemen,
2: for one night only, Sashi.
1: <laughs> well, you talk about power being a Lorian. He does have power over the 53-man roster, which I think elevates him certainly from where he would have been in any previous time. So yes. There we go. Sashi is a is he sort of an interesting candidate.
2: Let's uh. There you go. So there's Mark. A trip into Mark's mind. Always a fun uh, journey. You never know where it will lead. Uh, Let's move on to the championship preview of the two games on Championship (laughs) Sunday. (laughs) That was pretty good. That worked. Uh. So let's start. Uh. Let's go in order of the games, guys, and really have some fun with this. Dig in, and we'll start. Of course. Uh, in Denver where the uh, Broncos the number one seed in the AFC uh, a team that um, ended up stealing that number one seed from the Patriots and the Patriots finished slow in December when they were dealing with some injury issues and and what have you Uh, but the Patriots team that beat the Chiefs this past weekend looked a lot more like the Patriot team that seemed to be potentially looking to threaten to go 16-0 and 0 again. Uh, so I'm sure as the Denver Broncos watched game tape, they got a little noivus at that prospect. Um, these teams faced off once before in the regular season. It was a great Sunday night game, uh, one of the best uh, primetime games of the year. It was the game in which uh, Rob Gronkowski uh, suffered a knee injury <clears throat> but uh, survived it almost miraculously. And I believe that was the game that the Broncos won on a C.J. Anderson touchdown, right?
3: That's correct. They were down 14 nothing in that game. They had a big fourth quarter comeback. was really one of the games of the year, and then Brady got the uh, game-tying drive without Gronk. That's Not lot right. going on in that game.
2: Great game. So we get a rematch of that game, that's a lot of fun. The difference, of course, the big difference between those games, uh, Brock Osweiler was the quarterback for Denver then, and now it's Peyton Manning, the sheriff, with uh, one last chance against Tom Brady potentially. This could be it. Uh, We, uh, the kissing corner, kissing cousins corner is uh, of the opinion that the Patriots are going to roll no problem in this game. And I think a lot of people agree with Wes and Mark. Uh, I believe Greg and myself think this is going to be a real game. Let's start with you, Greg. Why do you think that the Broncos should not be overlooked in this game?
3: Because I give the Broncos the edge up front, really on both sides of the ball, especially – Uh, when the Patriots have the ball. Now Tom Brady can get rid of the ball so quickly that it's not a problem, but that's one of the things you noticed when you go back and watch that game. Everyone said, well, Edelman and Amendola, they weren't there. Well, neither was DeMarcus Ware. And the things that haven't changed are the lines. And Derek Wolf ate uh, the Patriots center's lunch throughout that game. Von Miller didn't have a huge game uh, in week 12, but I think him and DeMarcus Ware present a lot of problems for the Patriots. The Denver running game, on the other hand, also did very, very well against the Patriots throughout that game. They run for 173 yards. It really picked up late. But when I, I watched it again this week on the coach, if they didn't have Ronnie Hillman as their starter, if they have better running backs, they could have run for about 260. They were moving people. And that worries me. As a Patriots fan, that's the number one thing that worries me is that the Broncos are going to have a consistent running game throughout the day, and that's why I think it's a really even matchup. If you've got a little bit of an edge up front on both sides of the ball, you're going to have a chance. It's my
4: belief and contention. It has been my belief. Once Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola, and Rob Gronkowski all got healthy, you're going to see the Patriots from September through mid-November, and I think that's exactly what we saw against the Chiefs. I think they're going to roll, and it's also my belief and contention that the Broncos were a dominant defense in the first half of the season compared to the 2000 and Ravens. Other great defenses, they have not been that defense that's fair. over the past two months, and with Chris Harris playing with one arm
1: and the Patriots being a run-after-the-catch team, this is a horrible matchup for the Broncos. That, well, you're exactly right, though. When they have Amendola, Gronk, and Edelman, they're 10-0 this season, and Denver's defense gave up some big plays last week. Yeah, I mean, that's I could see that happen again. New England did not
3: throw deep, what, once all game? They threw it over 15 yards three times. And what you said for the passing game is true, Wes, but I don't think you can just ignore the fact that the team in September and October had Deion Lewis and LeGarrette Blunt. and now if they make it to the Super Bowl, this might be the worst team that ever made it to the Super Bowl in terms of running the ball. Well, it will they, be. They have no running game. It is the worst Patriots running game I've ever seen. And it's it's actually worse than the statistics. It's, who was
4: who was playing so great at running back the last time these two teams met? No one. I mean, you had Legarrette Blunt, and, and the that, Patriots controlled that game until a
3: bad punt in Rob Brykowsky. Well, if I you mean, if you that game. That's not uh, the true. Patriots they got outgained the game. by 175 yards. They were in complete control.
2: They, it's, just, they, it's just a weird thing to cite when the, the Patriots didn't win the game. That's all.
4: And and right, but you realize that a, a random weird punt return because their punt returner was injured. Dude, that's football. And then Gronk getting hurt. It doesn't hurt. matter. But, it's football. but you, then you can't cite that because they're not the same team. If they if had they, a better running game, they, oh, they could have closed the game. They beat a horribly
3: banged up Patriots team, which is materially different than the Patriots team now. But I think a lot, of, a lot of what I see that those teams haven't changed. And I think when I watched it, I got the sense it didn't feel like an uneven game. The Patriots' defense started out, well, it was a field position game where they took advantage of two really short fields. I mean, one of the Patriots' touchdowns, they, they started the ball at the 10. The other one, they started the ball at the 40. So they made some big plays in special teams and defense and it wasn't like the Patriots looked like a superior team. When you get out gained by 160 yards and 80 of your yards is on a, a nice path to a running back, that was James White who had an 80-yard a touchdown in that play, it didn't feel like these are two uneven teams. I think they're two really good teams. I, my whole case is that the Broncos are a legitimate top five team, that they belong to be here in this weekend. That, that's my only argument. I think the Patriots are a great team. My,
2: too. my feeling, at least in this group, and tell me if I'm wrong, Weson, Mark, is that you guys believe that the Broncos are a good team, but you believe at this stage Peyton Manning is such a liability – that it's going to lead this to this game single-handedly being lopsided.
4: I believe what I said five minutes ago, that <clears> the <throat> defense isn't dominant anymore and that Peyton Manning is a liability. When you combine those two teams, I don't think they're a top-five team. I think they got lucky to play a really banged-up Steelers team, and that's why they're here.
1: I don't know about lopsided, but I do believe that New England will win, and it won't resemble the game they played two years ago in the AFC Championship. And the I big difference... <laughs> The big difference is that the quarterback has changed for Denver. Now, statistically, Manning and Osweiler aren't starkly different by the end of Osweiler's run. But I I guess for me, watching Denver last week, I just found that dull offense very limiting. And I know we've had disagreements about that, but I believe that Brady brings so much to New England. He can still absolutely almost win a game on his own, but he doesn't have to because he has Edelman back. They've got their wide receivers back. They've got a passing game again. They're limited as a running team, but
3: I, I just look at New England as the better team overall. I, I agree. My big question, and no one seems to be talking about it this week, is what what are we getting out of Jamie Collins and Chandler Jones? Jamie Collins did not play the second half of that game last week. Chandler Jones was injured and ineffective in that game, in and out of the game. Th- th- that is not a small thing to consider. Those are two really of the three key players on the defense along with Dante Hightower, who is playing outstanding. He right now is the best player what's on the, their defense. What's the update on Jamie Collins? They had a walkthrough on Wednesday, and I think that was a reflection of what I talked about after last week's game. The 89 plays, I think, has Belichick freaked out. I have never seen them do a walkthrough on a Wednesday. They are basically almost taking this week pretty light in practice, I think, to get everyone healthy. They were at the walkthrough, but I don't, I don't know what Don't forget was. our
1: boy, best defensive free agent signing of the season. Jabal Oh, Jabal Shearer's been great.
3: Yeah. I love
2: him. I love Jabal So we know <clears throat> the Broncos aren't playing as good on defense in recent weeks. Peyton Manning obviously is not close to the same player he used to be. What is a weakness on the Patriots side of the ball other than the running game that maybe the Broncos can exploit?
1: I look at their offensive line. I mean, yes, they, you know, when they talk about all these combinations they've done, some of them are just earlier in the year were inventive. I mean, it's things they do with their line. But they lost when they lost Brian Stork last week, if they lose one or two guys, you've got issues. And it's, what, the third most sacks that Brady's taken in his career was this season. So you put the pass-rushing power of Denver – against this line, that's trouble. But the problem
2: though, if you're Denver is that Brady gets the ball out so yeah. quickly, that's,
1: that's what they do. That quick passing that game absolutely puts, worked.
2: If it really, it would have to be a tandem effort with the Denver secondary locking down those receivers near the line of scrimmage. But here's the thing. I mean, I'm sure they, you know, we got son of bum up there in Denver, right? You get, yeah. you know, when they put it on I'm tape sure he's last scheming week, that. I, mean, I saw it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Phillips had a scheme that could work here. Um, I don't know if the Patriots are going to score a lot of points in this game. I know maybe the Broncos' defense isn't as good, but I, I do uh, trust in the defense and the coordinator, and I do think that this game is going to be relatively low scoring. That's my Brian prediction.
3: Brian Stork had a big problem with Derek Wolfe the last time they played. Derek Wolfe had a great game. That contract they just gave him is going to look like a bargain. He just absolutely destroyed the Steelers, too. So that's, that's where I have the problem. Now that Denver has a lot of playing p- or is it's again, he's limited. They've got a good backup. He returned to the game last week. He came back. Yeah. He came back to the game last week. So again, another key player. I think if Denver ha- is going to make a case, it's just that their overall talent is really good. I mean, they have a lot of players on both sides of the ball. Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Akeem Talib, Von Miller, Demarcus Ware. It's just like a lot of guys who can make a play I, and you got the coaching and the quarterback are obviously huge advantages for the Patriots.
4: I totally agree that that the Broncos have the talent and you look at their defense and wonder why they haven't been dominant for the past couple of months. DeMarco Wears injury, DeMarcus Ware's injury is part of that. And I really think the Chris
3: Harris injury is huge. He got picked on last week. And Edelman is the guy in theory he would be covering, which is
2: – The game now, Mark, you start us off. This is going to be
1: – I don't agree with lopsided. I do think New England's going to win, and it's going to be 28-18 to 18 in an interesting game, New England Patriots.
4: I feel like we do this a lot. I've got Patriots 27-17. I'm always yeah, at
2: but one they, point off. That, that they,
3: means I'm sweating it out in the fourth quarter probably. What
2: happened to the old quarterback that should be in a retirement home? All of a sudden this game is going to be close and they, they score, have a bad defense. Uh, they when score 17 points. What am I missing? I think you're also – The Broncos care. have a terrible but defense if, and a quarterback that should be eating tapioca. Forty-seven 17 a, is a comfortable win. I didn't say
1: they have a terrible defense first of all. Come and on. so you've got – Dan, you're painting us into a corner.
2: 44-3. That's what I'm going to say. If you talk like that, you might as well throw out but, a door
1: Why don't you listen to what we've said? You're I'm telling listening. us how we feel, and I actually think the 28-18 is not that close. That's You lost by 10 points at home. I like the tribute that you stuck them with the number 18, his uniform number. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't
4: even
2: try to, but nice I like tribute. it. Um, the Patriots will win this game. I try to talk myself into the Broncos stealing it. I couldn't quite do it. I would love to see it happen, of course. But I think in a close game, a defensive battle, um, it will be a 17-14 New England win.
3: Yeah, I've got a very similar type of game. 20-17 to 17, Patriots win it. And I think their defense will make some plays. It's, a, a, it's
1: in hope. Denver, and I think that's a big
3: deal. What I I really see, do. What's the weather looking like? It's looking warm. There's an outside chance there could be some precipitation. Precip, but, but it's probably in the low 50s or in the middle of the 40s. It's not. That's good for Manning. Yeah, it's not going to be a please. cold game. Don't throw
2: your like big weatherman words around us. Precipitation. <laughs> How about rain. How about snow and sleet? Well, but they're well, not sure. They're
3: not sure. You never know. It might get cold as the mm-hmm. night comes in. It might change a little uh, wintry mix. It's a Ooh. CYA move that you have to do when you're a
4: weatherman.
2: Yeah, that's true. All right, let's move on to the late game. <clears throat> this will kick off at 6:40. The Arizona Cardinals. Yes, the team of around the NFL. Ah. Team of ADL. A beautiful season they're having and coming off that uh, a wonderful game on Saturday night. The win over the Packers in overtime. Now, they survive that and they head to Carolina to face the Panthers. And the Panthers have been on a glorious run for four straight months. They they are now 16-1. Uh, they are undefeated at home this season. They hung a 31 burger on. <laughs> That's not a burger. <laughs> listen, if you do it in one half, it is a big old burger okay, I, I on the defending that. Super Bowl or conference champions two times running. Uh, yes, they they uh, their bite their butts got tight in the second half, and they probably shouldn't have done that, and they ended up winning only by seven points, but. The uh, the point was made at that point that the Panthers were the better team and they just dominated uh, that game when it mattered. And now they get the Cardinals. So here we go, guys. Wes, I'll start with you on this. This, to me, and I think a lot of people will agree, is the, the game of the day if you have to choose between them. Two great teams. I think the winner of this game will have a good chance to be the Super Bowl favorite uh, once the guys in the desert chime in, maybe Spice Rack. Your thoughts on this game, <laughs> Wes?
4: Feels like we've been on a collision course for this game all year. The last three Coach of the Year awards in this game, 28 combined regular season wins between the two teams are the most by two playoff teams since 2004. Mm. These This will be the first postseason game of the Super Bowl era with two teams averaging 30 points a game. Wow. And then they rank first and second in total points, point differential, takeaways, points
3: off of takeaways. These have been the two best teams in the NFL all year. And to the two best quarterbacks along with Tom Brady. that That's probably why Peyton Manning sticks out so much is he got the three best – all season and oh by the way you have two of the best defenses of the year all season and that I'm kind of wondering who's going to be more aggressive I guess would be the way I would put it because in theory Carolina likes to get creative They, they they're not afraid to blitz and they did it a little bit against Seattle last week and and at times it burned them they got you know defenders behind them and that's what I'd be worried about if I was Carolina this week when you have Robert McCain is playing every snap. Cortland Finnegan is playing every snap. Kirk Coleman got injured in week seventeen, and he has had his worst two games of the season back to back if they had not if they had blown that lead he would have been probably the biggest reason why. And he's been a big asset to them throughout the year. And that's why I think this matchup is terrible for Carolina. Because if they have any weakness as an entire team on either side of the ball, they don't really have a great natural outside pass rush. And now they're a little thin in the secondary. And what – Team, if you give him a little time, can throw it deep any better than Cam Newton. I mean, than Carson Parr. Probably the only answer is Cam Newton. These are the two best vertical throw-in teams in the entire league. Well, he
1: may have to. I mean, it, what what happened over the last couple of weeks to Arizona's ground game? I think it is a concern because you ask Arians why it happened. Sixty seven total yards on the ground in Week Seventeen in the in the Wild Card game combined, and he basically said it: "We got our ass kicked up front." And so now you have to deal with Star, Ludolayli, and Kaylon Short. I mean, that's that right there is one of the best tandems in the league. And I, it's if you can't get the run game going on the road here, I'd be a little concerned about. Your, it's all on your. It's all on Carson Palmer at that point, and he's it can't be the Carson Palmer we saw for three quarters of last week. These are the two matchups to watch: thirty straight
4: games of a hundred yards for the Panthers, the most since the mid '70s Steelers on the ground. And they have – I mean, we used to pick on Mike Shula, but they've got – I heard Brian Balneger say that no offensive coordinator has cra- crafted his offense around one player as well as Mike Shula has hmm. around Cam Newton. And Cam is the key to the running game because of his ball handling and his tricks and his fakes. And then on the other side of the ball, like Greg said, the Panther secondary. And you've got three – Really good wide receivers for for the Cardinals. That is a huge
3: advantage for Arizona. I love I love John Brown to have a big game here because he, or Larry Fitzgerald could too. You got Cortland Finnegan maybe on him, but John Brown who's sometimes playing from the slot g- gets up the middle of that defense. If I'm a Panthers fan, that that's the thing that would worry me more than anything.
2: I think um, I think Jerry Rice might disagree, but I have a note here in our 2015 season. Conference Championship Research Notes. Can you take me? Higher. In eight career playoff games, Lyra Fitzgerald has averaged 114 receiving yards per game and scored 10 touchdowns. That's in eight games. He's the only player in NFL history, a minimum three games, to average 100 plus receiving yards and one plus touchdown per game in the playoffs. That is the guy you want to go to war with in January, Maron. Let me give you an
4: asterisk that makes that stat even more impressive. That includes last year's game with Ryan Lindley, who only had seventy something yards of total offense.
2: Wow! You should, th- <laughs> we should throw that game out
3: like totally yes, I from would. society. I think that'd be fair. It never happened. Never happened. I I was surprised looking through this research notes uh, this week. The research pack. I'm not going. You... I'm not going to raise it up or anything. What did you say? No. Did you? That would be slightly derivative. Anyway. Like, check with me before, like. What, I have to check with you before I read, pillaging my research read notes? through it? This is for the entire NFL network. It's distributed <laughs> I don't around think the Dan company. doesn't know that. It's I'm not, not aware of that. It's not just for Dan Hansen I when thought they, Jeff Greenholz and his team just made it for me. No, look at this. You're not the only one. I can lift it up. Oh, stop Anyone no, where's the? Music? Yeah, no drop, bro. No one's going <laughs> to give me. No, no drop, bro. Drop. I, I was really no pop. Su- surprised what I read. This year, Cam Newton, nine touchdowns, one interception when he's throwing the ball over 25 yards by far the best in the league. Carson Palmer actually had more interceptions than touchdowns on those vertical throws, which was, which was very surprising. Cause I think of Carson Palmer as that's his thing, that he's always going to be aggressive and he hits more low percentage throws than just about anyone. But it, but if you combine those numbers and consider the fact that Ted Ginn has dropped more deep passes than any player in the league, it is, it is really remarkable the type of season that Cam Newton's having. And I'm going to pick the Cardinals in this game, but, if the, the, the easy argument for the panthers i mean there's a there's a lot of things they're just a great team but this is an epic guy having an epic season. He's at home. He's the best you know, running quarterback of all time. He's having an unbelievable year throwing, and he, he could just be an all-time great that's going to have an all-time great and 20, take out the Yeah, he's the 22 Cardinals.
1: touchdowns and one pick over his last nine games. He's one of the best quarterbacks in, this season against the Blitz. And it's the go, go in and five rushing knows. touchdowns over that span, go in too. in five rushing touchdowns. Yeah, just,
2: that's all from my research notes. Did you guys <laughs> take this off my desk? Your that's research your notes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, but you know that he's been building that. It's not he's been building that for for weeks and weeks. And they Patrick Peterson said it that this is they went hadn't you go from dealing with Aaron Rodgers last week to a completely different type of quarterback where he he had three rushing yards last week, Cam Newton. But the idea that it could happen at any time is so such preoccupies your defense to such a degree that it's a major nuisance.
2: And you could say that for literally whoever they were playing last week. Seeing Cam Newton the next week, there's nobody like the guy. He's an absolute beast. And, you know, here's the difference between these two quarterbacks, whereas – and maybe I'm a little more hung up on it than others, but while I was uh, genuinely a little freaked out by Carson Palmer's performance uh, last week, I have seen no hints that uh, in this special season, like Greg's saying, that Cam Newton is going to let down in this spot in his building if the game's on the line and he has a chance to lead his team to win I just it's hard for me to picture him falling up falling short unless something crazy happens you know whether it's yeah. an injury or you know some fluky special teams or defensive like a ball gets tipped I just think this is Cam Newton season and as great as the Cardinals are on and I are and I respect them as the team of ATN the, the Panthers to me this has been a special season all year long and I can't I can't pick against them I think that's a fair assessment to be more
4: confident in the Panthers because of Cam Newton's level of absolute confidence and that Carson Palmer didn't show that. Bruce Arians admitted that Palmer had nerves. Palmer admitted that Palmer had nerves. And, of course, you worry about that a little bit.
3: And when you look at the Panthers' defense, I picked on some of the negative things about it. But the reality is right now they have the best defensive tackle still alive in the playoffs. They have the best linebacker still alive in the playoffs, Luke Kuechly. And you know you could argue Patrick Peterson or Josh Norman, but they have a cornerback that is playing dominant uh, for them. You know, they, I don't know who. It's not like he's going to just I'll cover take Peterson one guy. over Norman. I, you know that that's a tough call. But you know what I'm saying is they have sure. t- top level players I think, at every level. I think
4: this is a, this isn't the best matchup for Norman because the Cardinals are so they have that embarrassment of riches. You can't Norman's not going to he's not going to trail Fitzgerald into the slot because that's not what he does. And if you put him on Michael Floyd, John Brown is going to burn people deep
1: and Fitz is going to burn Finnegan. You only have –
4: basically you have Josh Norman
1: and a bunch of questions. Well, that's marks. been the issue with every team trying to deal with the Cardinals and that's why their scoring scoring offenses off the charts
3: because they're overload. They're an overload situation on every defense. I think we, we do have some sound, I believe, of Bruce Arians talking uh, about their troubles up front, which which you alluded to before. And I th- I think that's something – that has to be a concern with the way sure uh star Lotelele played last week. Why don't we take a listen to that, Sid?
2: Getting, getting our ass kicked up front, and uh, it's not anything David's doing. There's just not a lot of holes there, and we got to do a better job. And, and it's a tough challenge this week.
3: They got the better running back in this game, David Johnson. I'd rather have him than Jonathan Stewart any day, and yet he's done nothing the last couple of weeks, and it's just it's the run game. I mean, the Packers went blitz crazy at Arizona for three quarters of that game and they had no answer for it. A lot of that game when you when I rewatched it, I didn't think it was quite as much on Carson Palmer as I thought, because there was a lot there were a lot more plays where he just had to get rid of the ball really quickly because the Packers sent stuff that they just had no answer. Why about.
2: are you disrespecting Jonathan Stewart? He ran for 1000 yards in 12 Stewart. games in the regular season, I think put 100 on the Seahawks. Greg and I are charter members of the Jonathan Yeah, Smith that's why I surprised Club to hear that. And I, I, I agree with him that David Well, Johnson he's just is saying better.
1: David Johnson's better than Stewart. I am surprised receiver, about that.
3: What he does as a receiver cannot be discounted. I once foolishly said, you know, draft Jonathan Stewart with your number six pick in your fantasy league back in 10 years ago. I love Jonathan Stewart. I love he's having a I think that David Johnson is one of the six or seven best running backs in the league right now. I, I, I think he's that good in terms of his overall skills.
2: Um, can I just cycle back to Josh Norman a second? Because it, it does feel like he hasn't been um, necessarily the same guy. And I, I checked out pro football focus. And their numbers, at least, if you like their metrics, back it up. Through Week 8, he was essentially the number one cornerback in football. But from Week 9 on, he's been basically, in terms of their grading, an average-type cornerback. He got shredded by the Giants, and Odell Beckham and got lucky for it not to be worse. He didn't play great against Julio Jones the next week, and he's been not been putting up great numbers, uh, really, or, or in terms of you study the tape. So maybe he's not the same player that he was back in October and November, and that's something to think about, too.
4: Well, yeah, he was playing better early in the year. I don't think that makes him anything close to an average player. He's still a very good cornerback. I just think the Cardinals – it's just a bad matchup for the Panthers secondary because the Cardinals have so many weapons, and you can't stick John Norman
2: on all of them. I guess my point is more because I agree with you that the Cardinals have so many weapons. That guy needs to be playing at that high level or they're in deep trouble. He can't have a bad game. I mean – they they're vulnerable just because the Cardinals have so many weapons. If Palmer is playing like the Palmer we saw for most of the season, that I mean that's it's tough for anybody. I think stop.
1: also when your secondary is banged up, it can take certain cornerbacks and affect how they are used and how they play too. And they're they are banged up. Let's pick the games now, and Mark, you got it going. This is going to be a good one. All right, this is going to be an, an amazing game. It's going into overtime in my books, thirty to twenty four. The Carolina Panthers win at home, but no disrespect to the Cardinals. They're going to bring it. This is going to be a fun one. All right feel the same way. No disrespect to the Panthers. I have a huge
4: Panthers friend named Rob Kizabeth on Tybee. He's large. And he's been disappointed in me. Like seven feet tall? Or?
2: He's just a big friend. He's uh, a good friend. Uh, okay.
4: He's been disappointed in me. It's not that I disrespect the Panthers. I have all the respect in the world for the Panthers. I just respected what the Seahawks have done the past couple of years. And I respect what the Cardinals have done all this year. I'm going to stay respect. with the Cardinals. I do. I respect the Panthers. I like them. They were our team of ATL two years ago. Uh, I'm going Cardinals 31-30. Mm. Hmm.
2: This is such a good game. I agree too. I have no respect for any of the teams. <laughs> Just to balance things off. No, I respect them both. I am going to say thirty-one <coughs> thirty. Wes Panthers win.
3: Oh, okay. We're talking yeah, that type of game. Interesting. I I don't get the whole not picking the team of ATL thing. I mean, I would pick them if they have any chance to win. They're the team of ATL. What? Team of ATL. But, what? Hey. Why would we not pick them in every game that they had a chance? I don't get it. Well, I guess because I feel like, as
1: much as I like watching the Cardinals, I think Carolina's going to win.
2: And also, why would you pick anything after you abandon us in the picks this season? <laughs> Where's the burlap sack, is my question. That's fair.
3: I guess my my other thing is we obviously have no clue what's going to happen. So you might as well pick the team that you want to root for and the team that has a great chance to win. Cardinals win 34. Dan wants 31. to root for the Panthers now. You, what score do you have? <clears throat> 34 31. Oh, Okay.
2: Uh, yeah, is, are the Cardinals creed bombing at practice?
4: No, but they I do. Do, you me do the Panthers have white wacky hijinks with quarterback competitions where they
3: have gator caps? Yeah, I saw chaps. That. That's cute. I just caught Dan's bronchitis. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> the sorry. look on Greg's face during that <laughs> minute of song. My
2: sacrifice. Um, all right, let's. Before we get out of here, let's quickly. Uh, you know, it's time to put your sandwich. Where your mouth is? Ooh, I like that. Uh, <laughs> go get my lunch. you piece of common street trash. Ooh, I like that. Yeah.
1: Wow. You what? want me to go first? <laughs> that was that was gross, Sorry. Dan. All yeah, right. I ahead. here's my here's my first one. Brady, uh, to, to those that are new to the game,
2: we
3: only have one, right? Yeah.
2: Sure. We each um, throw out a prediction, and then the rest of the room gets to either agree with it or challenge it. Go get my lunch. And um, if uh, the person that challenges you or persons uh, wins that challenge, you have to buy sandwiches for everyone that disagreed with your assertion. For more on versa. this
4: game, check out gogetmylunch.org, run by oh, Nick Frontier, right. a fabulous
1: website.
2: Absolutely. Okay, Mark, go ahead.
1: Does a great job. Okay, here it is. Brady and Manning will combine for at least four interceptions. Brady. I will take you yeah, up man. on that. Interesting. Brady and Manning.
2: At least four
1: Four. Well, three means three is ridiculous. Here's I'm thing. going four because four would be notable.
2: Bill Barnwell wrote a, a great piece um, on ESPN that I read last night uh, to breaking down like what's a league average quarterback. And one of the things that he talked about is like the interception rate in the NFL now is through the floor. Nobody really throws interceptions anymore. I know Peyton Manning threw some this year, so I think that's par- partly where you're going from, uh, uh, what you're going with there. But I don't think Tom Brady's going to throw a pick. Um, and I don't think that... Peyton Manning's going to melt down wildly so I'm going to take you on that. Cool.
3: I will take you on it too. I feel like 3 is the probably the right over under so I'm going to go.
2: 3 would have been I would have been
1: told it was boring so I had no, it to add to you're it was good. You're right. That was a good like you're, right. you're usually
2: even Steven in this game. You're taking some chances, Wes.
4: Cardinals wide receiver
1: trio of Larry Fitzgerald,
4: John Brown and Michael Floyd will have more yards than the entire Denver Broncos offense. <laughs>
3: uh. That is interesting.
4: Uh, let's hear it again. The wide receiver trio yep. of Larry Fitzgerald, John Brown, and Michael Floyd yep. will have more total yards than the entire Denver Broncos
3: offense. Well, net yards. I don't want to be rooting for the Broncos offense to have <laughs> any yards, but I guess <laughs> I'll forget about this silly sandwich prop and I'll take you up on it. I'll definitely take Just, you. Up. I will too. Just out of prison. All right, reel them in.
2: <laughs> wow. All right.
3: Mine, mine are going to be conflicting, but go ahead.
2: Total yards. So all the running, net all yards, all the receiving.
3: That
4: includes yards lost to sack. That's going to be close.
2: Oh, okay.
4: You can get negative yards if you lose sack yards.
2: That's a good one. Uh, here is mine. Let me pull it up. Excuse me. Bear with me. Here we go. Cam Newton. He is the Panthers quarterback. Uh, we'll have more total touchdowns. That is both passing, running, and receiving potentially than Gronk, Edelman, and Amendola combined.
4: More touchdowns.
2: Yes. I like a low-scoring game in New England, uh, and I like Cam Newton doing some things. so I'm, That's why I did this.
3: I'm not going to bother. I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to I bother. I mean, I'm not going to take it. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to take it. Okay. I actually am also I not going to, based everything.
1: on what my second sandwich thing would have been, the odds, I think a huge day for Cam Newton is coming. I mean, the
3: odds are heavily favoring Dan. He scored 45 touchdowns. Heavily? Oh, yeah. Gronk, they, Edelman. They scored 20 or whatever, right. even if they were healthy. Well, like it could then.
1: be Brandon Bolden that scores three touchdowns. Right. It could be James me. White. So I'm not going
3: to take it.
2: Well, I was just testing the love fest of this room for Tom Brady. That's all.
1: Yeah. I think he'll win. It may be through people we don't even talk no, about true. on this that's podcast a fair point. That's I'm
4: not only carrying the Patriots water. I'm carrying a huge torch for Tom Brady as a football player.
2: Good for you, Wes.
4: And I'm still not taking
2: it. Oh, oh bad job. <laughs> well, Dan cowards Dan all got, among Dan me. Got
3: what he wanted, you know. Oh yeah, no,
2: this works out, and I feel like that was fair. But nobody took me up. It was a good one. There you go. Deal with it, Greg.
3: Uh, mine is pretty similar to Wes's, and sure. it's just that Carson Palmer is going to have more yards from scrimmage than Cam Newton. You know, the the whole yards from scrimmage. The whole Cam. Well, you get Cam's rushing. You get his, his rushing. Passing. Yep. Versus, versus Palmer's passing, essentially. Well. well, you never know.
1: I will take you up, meaning that I think Cam's going to have more. Right. If, yeah. you,
3: if you're picking the Panthers, yeah, I'll take you, you up. I think chance. it's going to happen.
2: Cam will have more yards than Carson Palmer. Right.
3: Yeah, I think you will. Okay, so you'll take me. Yeah, I'll take you. It. I'm saying Carson Palmer will have more. I'm saying Carson Palmer will have more, too. So you, too. All right, that's kind of how I figured it would happen.
2: Wow. So, so we got a lot of chomping going on here. That
3: was a rousing game. Of yeah. That. Go get my lunch. That sound bite is still hideous. <laughs> I had actually made up a what's more likely before they told me. I totally, so did I. Totally <laughs> had blown it. Wow. You were not alone. It was. <laughs> come on, guys. I think it was like Peyton Manning interceptions versus the amount of. T- like Peyton Manning throws three interceptions or the dabbing in Carolina is at two or less. Only mine, two or less dabs for the whole mine game. Mine
4: was Peyton Manning wins <laughs> the I game. I don't know. Why I'm throwing this what, out. What's more likely Peyton Manning wins this game or I become a millionaire by Sunday night? <laughs>
1: Wow.
2: Think about what's going to happen, by the way, if the Panthers win this game, the sideline celebration, like the uh, oh, giant yeah, that's photo, the Cam Newton. You know how many <clears throat> angry housewives there will be in this oh country? My God.
4: Housewives, please calm down with your letters.
2: <sighs> my goodness. All right, so there you go. So, <clears throat> And for the record, I just went the entire ATN group with Connor and Patra uh, across the board. We went six across the board in favor of the Patriots. Uh, And um, in terms of the Panthers, Cardinals, uh, we all took the Panthers with the exception of Wes and Greg. Uh, So there you have it. Uh, We can't wait. Here's the good thing, Greg. Now we get to watch it. We get to see what happens.
3: I can't wait. Best thing about sports. I'm I'm I get that feel, you know. I got that feeling. I mean, these are big. These are the, the moments you look for, for as a fan. Uh, you get excited. You're starting to count the hours towards that game. The only thing that's annoying is they start the games at 3 o'clock. Why do you make up new time for games All in right. the biggest weekend of the, of the year? <laughs> Too <laughs> late. Right. Stupid.
2: I mean, it's not going to change now. There's no sense. <laughs> belly aching over it.
3: Just... Move
2: the times. When you are with me, I'm free, I'm helpless as a bee.
3: We are losing listeners rapidly. I'm no longer accepting your kid, Bobby. I'm turning my back on you.
2: We'll be back on Sunday night. That's what we do uh, right after the NFC title game to talk about both these games. Uh, It will be a a bad situation for maybe we could cut this for, uh, for the show on Sunday. It will be a bad situation. For Mark and Wes, because Peyton Manning is gonna have the game of his life in a wild spot, and uh, you guys won't be able to. I
1: talk.
3: have a feeling I'll get through it. Yeah, for Mark <laughs> and Wes, I'll have to do. I'll have to deal with your clownish uh, behavior. Oh, I after a won't. is my
2: solemn loss. promise to you: I won't be. I will not I be care. a jerk.
3: I don't care. I we'll mean, I, I'll deal with it. You got to deal with it. If you
2: would have been a, a jerk after the Jet loss in Week Seventeen, I would have buried you if the Patriots would have <laughs> lost. Uh, but I will. I have respect for fandom. I won't do that. There might be a throw to a sleaze
4: no, drop. No, That's all. Too crazy. Peyton
1: Manning wins and does well.
4: Did. Mark and I will be happy for him.
1: <laughs> I agree. Dan is turning this into
4: in. something that it's not.
1: That <clears throat> it is not. That's to funny. Be, to be honest, I mean a
2: joke to a Chip Kelly like joke to end the show.
1: <laughs> he has to play
4: well in order to earn our
1: respect. Though. Well, let's see. what <laughs> I, I want the best Super Bowl matchup, and that doesn't include Denver's <laughs> offense at this stage <laughs> in my I'm mind. Change my mind
2: until Peyton Manning shreds. Change
1: my mind. You've been saying Bill this Bell, all year about Peyton Manning. When's the last time he shredded anything?
2: Uh, 2013, like week 14, it was. Awesome.
1: One of the sandwiches you lost is saying that he was going to throw 30
3: touchdowns. So well, you, you want to go through sandwich
2: bets? Now. <laughs> <laughs> you sure, wanna, you I do. do. I that? said
3: that Osweiler would have at least one start. How about some of that Parmesan cheese he's been shredding? That's the only thing. Chicken you Parm. Shred. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't <laughs> get it.
2: No, I do. Uh, yeah, we'll be back on Sunday. This is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm, the Mailman, the Boss, and La Cid behind the glass. Come on, Pete. Till Sunday.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring,